All right, welcome to Refuge. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for taking the time to be a part of what it is that we're doing here. Um, my name is Jason Vaughn, and, and I'm the associate pastor and worship leader here. And uh, I get the opportunity to share a message with you guys today. And I just want to talk to you today about being stuck. What does it mean for us to be stuck? So when I speak, first of all, I want, I want to let you guys know, I cannot reiterate enough that the message is for me just as much as it is for anybody else. I'm, I'm seeking to just be a vessel that God can use. And believe it or not, when you're in a position like this, God often speaks to you through the words that he's given you. And that may seem counterintuitive, but, but I've heard my own message play back in the, in the past and and a few months later, it's just perfect for the season that I'm in. And so little did I know at that time that God was actually speaking directly to me in the months to come. And I think it's so awesome how he does that. I think it's so awesome how the Bible is the living word and you can read the same thing over and over again. But depending on where you are in your life, it can mean something completely different. And so I'm being very transparent with you. I just want to tell you that sometimes I feel stuck. I've been in church all of my life. Um, I, I grew up in church. Uh, my, my dad is a pastor. And so uh, I grew up being a preacher's kid. And, and I've been through the phases and the seasons of what church life does to a person. And, and sometimes... Even in a place of leadership, it's important to remember that we can feel stuck. So I wish I could say that I've not been to this place before, um, but unfortunately that would not be true and it would also not be beneficial to anybody. So if you're truthful today, if you're truthful with yourself, could you admit that you feel like you're in a little bit of a holding pattern? Now, I do think that this message is timely for where we are right now. See, I've had the opportunity to travel to, to a lot of places. I've been on more flights than I can remember. And um, I don't know if you've traveled, but if you have, there is a good chance that at some time in, in your airport travel, you have been placed in what is called a holding pattern. I've been stuck on the tarmac in the plane waiting to, to leave, and we get to the runway, and we sit there for 45 minutes before we take off because of, of weather somewhere else where we're going. And, uh, you know, I, I think probably one of the other things, listen, I'm a, I'm a thrill seeker. I can't find a roller coaster big enough. I love them all. I have, I have ridden every roller coaster that I have had the opportunity to ride, and I'm going to tell you, this makes me a little uneasy, but, but when you go into a holding pattern in the air, it's a little different. So you go to land, it's time for you to come in, and, and right before your plane goes to land, air control comes in, and they tell the pilot, they say, hey, uh, you can't land right now. All the runways are full, we're stuck, so you guys have to go out and you have to make some, some unnecessary loops, Right? And so this particular time that I remember, we were out over the Charleston Harbor and we kept going, you know, in circles and that's fine, you know, but what got me was the pilot would throttle up and so you kind of get pushed back in your seat, you would feel the G-force and then he would just, I mean, it felt like he was stalling out, he would just let it go and so you'd feel this floating sensation and then you'd feel the gravity again 
and then you feel this floating sensation. And after doing that for about 20 or 30 minutes, I'm telling you, honestly, that I was uneasy. <laughs> so holding patterns, a lot of times, are uneasy. They're not something that is pleasant. Now, I do want to take the time to, to separate two things. There is a holding pattern that is initiated and given by God, okay? And, and David talks about that in the Psalms. In, in Psalms 37, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And so right there in, in Psalm 37 and verse seven, it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, if that's you today, I want you to know that if God has placed you in a holding pattern, there is a reason for that. So I'm just asking that you trust the process there. God has a plan in those times. And sometimes what God is doing is we're so busy. He's saying, hey, just stop for a second be still and know that I am God and that I'm fighting for you. And he's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's what the word tells us. So just rest in that. If that is you and that is where you are in a God-initiated holding pattern, then just rest in that. But what I want to talk to you about today is the times that we initiate the holding pattern. This is when we need to be concerned. See, now, in order to do that, we have to take the captain's seat. There are definitely times in our lives when we're doing all that we can just to survive, and we feel like maybe we need to take the reins because God is not moving fast enough. We've cried out to God, and we've asked God, and we've said, okay, you know, you're not moving fast enough, so maybe I should just take the wheel. This year has been no exception to this. If anything, it's probably intensified this process for all of us. But what happens in this place in our lives is that time gets away from us. You may feel stuck for a few days or a few weeks, and next thing you know, a year has gone by, and you and I are still sitting in the seat that was never intended for us. If you think back to when this pandemic started, Think about how much time has passed and just ask yourself, has it felt like that long? I want to talk to us specifically about this today. I have a story from the Word that, that would really draw our attention to what this does to us mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally, physically, even financially. And as we start today, I want to remind you that in Romans 15 and 4, Paul says, for everything that is written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So what that means is all of that stuff that's in the Old Testament that people don't spend too much time going over, it's saying, hey, all of that is there for a reason. There are lessons to be learned and you see uh, the endurance, through that endurance, you see the hope that God gives us. So I pray today that you leave encouraged and hopeful. We're going to start reading from Deuteronomy 1. Starting at verse 1, it says, These are the words that Moses spoke 
to all Israel in the wilderness east of Jordan. Now, I'm going to paraphrase some of this because I have a lot of scripture to get through today. I want you to know I am not trying to take anything away from God's word. I strongly encourage you to go to Deuteronomy and read these first two chapters all the way through. And you would do better to even have a, a, a preface of that and, and read before that and after that. But, but at least read these two chapters, okay? Because I'm going to do some paraphrasing today. But I, wanna, I want to point out that in verse 2, it says, It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. And then in verse 3, it says, In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites that all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. And we go further down. It says, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites, to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So he's explaining this, and then further down, he goes on to appoint leaders because he says the children of Israel, they're too much. They've grown. God's blessed them, and, and they're such a a large amount of people now that he can't handle them all by himself. So he appoints some leaders. And I'm, I'm going to skip over this. That's from verse 9 to verse 18. But I want you to take this in because we are in a time where our leaders are being uh, looked at. And, and it says that he looked for somebody with wisdom, with understanding, and somebody who was well-respected among all of his peers. And so we continue, and, and I want to draw this, this point out because it's real easy to read over this and to miss this. But in the beginning of this chapter, we can see that the children of Israel are in a massive holding pattern. Do you think that you have been stuck? It says they were in a place where an 11-day journey took them 40, almost 41 years of wandering around in the wilderness. And reading this, the only thing I could possibly think is, why? How is that even possible? 40 years? It was supposed to be 11 days, and you are 40-something years in, and you're still not there? So as we continue reading in, in verse 19, it says, Then as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and, and went toward the hill country of the um, Amorites and through that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. Of, <laughs> of course, it's vast and dreadful. And we reach Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up, take possession of it as the Lord the God of your ancestors told you, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. So this seems like everything is going well at this point. 
uh, th- these, these same people have seen God move in the past. They, they saw him part the Red Sea. They saw uh, him, him rescue them from, from a life of slavery. They have, have been provided food when there was no, no food around. God has been good to them, and he's brought them through. And right now, they get to this promised land, this place where God said, hey, this is where you want to be. This is the happening spot. This is where you will have everything that you will ever need. And he's given them the land. That's what Moses tells them. He's already given it to you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. God's given you the land. So so where is the problem here? Well, in verse 22, it says, Then all of you came to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route that we are to take and the towns we will come to. So he says, the idea seemed good to me. So I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it. Taking with them some fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. So they decided themselves, hey, you know what? I mean, I know God's given us this land, but that, I mean, let's just go ahead and send some people out first, right? And just make sure that it is everything that it's supposed to be. Make sure, you know, that that we can actually take this land and that we're not in over our heads. Don't we do this? God says, go, and we say, uh, but is that really what you mean, God? Is that really what you mean, God? I mean, you want me to do what, God? I, I, I don't know. And he's saying, I've already given it to you. I've already, I've already worked this out ahead of you. Just go. And we question if it is the will of God. So you would think at this point that they would just get with it. They've already seen that the land is good. They said they brought back some fruit and they said, hey, this land is awesome. It's everything that it's said to be. You would think at this point that they would just go. But it says in verse 26, But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people there are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. These people are, are considered in the time to be giants. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord, our God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord, your God, carried you as far as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reach this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God, who went ahead of you in your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. And when the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, no one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors." 
And so they go from everything being great, them finally getting to, to, to the land that they needed to be at, the place where they were traveling. And they get there, and, and Moses said, God's already delivered this to you. This belongs to you. Go. And they go, ah, I don't know. Are you sure? There's like some big guys over there. And it looks like a, a well-fortified place. Like, I, I don't think we can do it. And so they initiated the holding pattern. I think it's important to know, too, that as the Scripture continues, it says that even Moses was excluded from entering the promised land. He was, God was so angry with the people who were being too lethargic, too scared to move forward in what he had promised. And then after they realized the, the heat of that moment and what had happened, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we weren't questioning you. We weren't grumbling in our tents. We weren't whining and complaining. We'll go. And so they all get together and God tells Moses to tell them, hey, it's not gonna work. Don't go now. You've already missed your opportunity. You have missed your window of opportunity. Do not go now. And it says that they went anyway and they came back and they, they ended up weeping before the Lord because the Amorites uh, ran them out like a swarm of bees. It actually says that they beat you down from Seir all the way to Horamah. So, this was not God's will for them. God's will was for them to step up and take what he had given them. And it says that they grumbled. Now, I know because I've been in church a long time that we have some grumblers. I know that I have been that grumbler on more occasions than I want to admit. But what happens when we do that is we miss this window of opportunity that God has given us. So I was recently out on a boat uh, and I ran into some trouble. This has happened to me twice now. You can ask my wife. Uh, <laughs> both times were very miserable, but I've got to say that it got my attention. I had went out for a day of fishing, and I, I need to reiterate, it was a day of fishing, not catching, fishing. But on the way back, in my head, I had made plenty of time to, to work out the plans that we had, the family plans we had for the afternoon. I even started back earlier than I had planned. And I was riding back, full throttle, and I ran up on a sandbar. Now, if you don't know about the rivers here, I'm gonna explain this very briefly. I'm obviously not an expert because, <laughs> because I've been stuck twice, but the sand on the riverbed is always shifting, and as the tides come and go, the riverbed is going to change. When the tide comes in, water's everywhere. The marshland is flooded. But then when the tide goes out, well, the water lowers greatly. So when this happens, sometimes the water draws back so much that nothing is left but sand. And so you can't really see that sand until it's what's called dead low, 
When it's dead low, that means it's as low as it's going to get before the tide turns and starts to come back in. And so when it hits that bottom, there's going to be some sand that is sticking out, out of the surface of the water. And so it just so happened that that as the sand was still under the surface, because it wasn't all the way low yet, we have really dark water around here, and I'm riding full throttle, and I run up on a sandbar. And as the water is still in the process of going out, I fought to push the boat, and I fought with no success. 30 or 40 minutes, I was trying so hard to get the boat to move just enough so that I could get off of that sandbar and move on and go home. But at that 30 or 40 minute mark, I had to realize and acknowledge where I was. I was stuck. Now, I could have been in denial about that. I could have said, "Uh, we're not stuck. I could keep pushing the boat, but nothing is going to happen. So at that time, it was best that I acknowledge okay, I am stuck. And as the water continued to recede until my entire. My entire boat was sitting completely on dry sand. And I could see water all around me, but my only means of transportation was sitting on this newfound beach. My plans at this point had to change. I I couldn't do what I had planned to do that evening. I had to sit in the sand and I had to wait until the tide started to come back in. And so the reason that I share this today is to draw our attention to the hope in the promises of God that is often beached because we don't realize how shallow we have gotten. It's not that God has changed. It's that we operate so many times in fear. It's that we have disconnected from his word. It's that we aren't crying out to him because all we're doing is is just grumbling on social media. It's so much easier to run out and just spew nastiness and complaints and whining to everybody around you than it is to just accept and understand where you are. And so here we see that God's chosen people are not ready to take the very thing that he had handed over to them. How had they lost sight of this? Well, there was fear. If we let fear get in the way, we'll miss out on the promises of God over and over again. After all the children of Israel had seen, after all that God had brought them through, they still went into a self-inflicted holding pattern. They probably didn't realize how shallow shallow they were. They probably didn't realize that they were just whining about everything. They probably didn't realize that they were being lazy. They probably didn't acknowledge the distance that they had placed between themselves and God. It's real easy to do all of those things without meaning to. Right? So we have to be purposeful in the other direction to be sure that we're not the, the, the person that's whining. We're not the person that's lazy. We're not putting distance between ourselves and God. 
Because what happens when you do that is you are still running full throttle and and they're running full throttle coming out of Egypt and they cross over the Red Sea and they didn't realize that they were about to beach themselves in a wilderness, but yet it happened. An 11 day journey can turn into 40 years. So are you willing to waste all of that time in fear in hesitation, in laziness, in depression, in sin, in hopelessness, in self-pity, in self-righteousness? Are you willing to forfeit the goodness of God for the ignorance of man? See, as I sat on that sandbar, I only had one choice. The tide was gonna have to come back in. I waited for a few hours and that boat began to float again. And before long, I was away from that dreaded place and on the way home. I could not in my own power move myself from that spot. Something greater than me had to show up and make a way. See, some of us need a tide change right now. Some of us haven't floated in quite a while because we have taken the controls instead of trusting God and now we're marooned. Some of us don't remember what it was like to feel the breeze in our hair because we've been stuck for an entire season. These are trying times. As I speak today, the world around us is in a place of unrest For months, there has been political unrest. There has been racial unrest. There has been social unrest. There has been COVID-related unrest. We are surrounded by violence, by hatred, by confusion, by hopelessness. If ever there was a time that the world needed the church, it is right now. If ever there was a call to action, It's right now. But can we do anything if we have been stuck for all of 2020? Because if we're being honest, this crazy messed up year should not affect us the same way it affects the world. Now that hits me right in the face. Are we living like we have a relationship with Christ? Are we living like our God is sovereign no matter who gets the seat in the White House? Are we living like our God is sovereign no matter what happens with a virus? Are we living like these things are surprising to him? Because all of that leads us to being stuck in our own self-inflicted holding pattern. As we continue reading in chapter two, starting at verse one, it says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. It says not to intermarry. It says, it says to, to um, destroy 
their altars, to smash their stones and, and to, to cut down their, their Asherah poles and burn their idols with fire. So basically what's happening is a complete wiping away of that, that, that place. And so I know that in this holding pattern, many people have probably fallen back on some bad habits, maybe on some, some sin habits. I don't doubt that there are many people hearing what the world is saying over what God is saying. See, we, we tend to let sin linger. We may, we may take something and we may put it to the side, but we never fully put it away. And so I want you to think about that. God did not tell the Israelites, hey, when you go in, you live with that. You find a way to make peace with it. You find a way to, to work it out. He told them to destroy every single trace of it, not to leave any room for what is not of God. He's encouraging you to do the same thing today. In order to live in victory, we have to break down some altars and we have to break down some idols. And sometimes that may even be our own comfort. Sometimes that may be breaking down our own stubbornness. So how can we possibly feel success in a season like this? It says in verse six, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all other peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other people for you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. So are you a slave to sin today? because it says that he has redeemed you from slavery. It goes further down and it says that, that he will love you and he will bless you and increase your numbers if you keep his commandments. It says he, he will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and olive oil, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor will any of your livestock be without young. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict you on the horrible disease you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all who hate you. You must destroy all the peoples the Lord your God gives, you, gives over to you. Do not look on them with pity and do not serve their gods for that will snare you. And they go on and they say, hey, but these people are, are bigger than us, they're stronger than us. But God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Remember what, what God did to Pharaoh in Egypt. You saw it with your own eyes. Don't be terrified of them, for the Lord your God who is among you is a great 
and awesome God. See, that's victory. That's victory. And I want to draw your attention to one more thing today. For the overzealous out there, for the men and women that don't have patience and they want the whole thing right now, listen, you know who you are. And if you don't, your friends can probably help you out with that. The Lord is mindful of the process. See, he never said that we would jump from point A to point B. Look what he says in verse 22. It says, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give their kings into your hand and will wipe their names from under the heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. So I want you to understand this. God promises you complete victory, but he also points out that there is a process. Some of you today are struggling with the process. I'm struggling with the process right now. See, a lot of times I think this is what happens when a a likable person gets a stage before their time. Everything looks good for a season, but they skip the process and thus they fall flat on their face in front of everybody. And people are standing around going, what happened? And the whole thing is that they had skipped the process. It had happened too fast. God has a process. If you feel feel stuck right now, you have to trust his process. You have to give him your willingness. Just know that if if he is in the driver's seat, the Holden pattern is to take care of the coming threats. So those people who are waiting right now because God has got you waiting, understand that he is working things out in the future for you. He is protecting you for what was to come in the future. He has put you in a holding pattern for a reason. So if he is driving and if you have trusted him and he has you in a holding pattern, continue to trust that. But if you have self-inflicted your holding pattern, know that that is not of God and that is not what he wants for you. I don't have all the answers by any means. Most days I'm doing good to just keep my family safe and functioning. But could we all just take a minute and ask ourselves a very difficult question? Are you stuck by your own devices today? I feel so many times like this whole year has been a waste a waste for me, a waste for my growth, a waste for churches around the world. But I know without a doubt that this time matters. I'm reminded that God said he would never leave or forsake me. I count the blessings around me. See, some of you right now in this season where everything feels hopeless, some of you need to take a blessing inventory. 
See, God's been good to you. Over and over again, God has been good to you. This is what happened with the children of Israel. God had been good to them. God had given his favor to them, and still they were unable to see it because they were not willing to look back and see everything that God had done for them. And so will you do that today? You, you got a new day. Most of you are going home to some type of shelter. Most of you have some type of transportation to get there. Most of you have a, a spouse and you have children. Most of you have a job right now. Most of you are sitting under the sound of my voice and you don't have COVID right now. Most of you have the opportunity to drink clean water. Most of you have food to eat. And if you don't, the blessing box is right around the corner. Some of you have seen times when finances did not add up and God works something out. We are a blessed people despite anything that has happened this year. Take inventory of that. It will make your heart grateful. Do not get stuck in the trap of writing the rest of this year off. We're already in November and it'd be real easy to just sit out this next few months and say, hey, all of 2020 was a wash. We know and believe that the latter will be greater than the past. So don't get stuck in the confusion. Don't give up right now. Keep pushing. When you feel like you have no hope, when you feel like you are completely stuck, just know that the tide has to come back in at some point. God is going to do a new thing in your life, and you need to trust that. I want to pray out right now. But I can't reiterate enough. God's not done with any of this. Nothing that you have seen has been a surprise to him. God knew when, when the Israelites were going to face those giants, he knew what they looked like. That did not bother him. He said, hey, I've already given you victory. Just go. I'll work it out. Just go. I'll take care of it. Just go. So if God is calling you to go right now, then go. Do what he is calling you to do. Move. Don't let the rest of this year slip away because most of it has been a blur. We don't get excuses. We don't get to grumble because we'll miss that window, that opportunity that God has given us. And I feel led to say, too, if you're the person that we talked about that God is, is placed in a holding pattern, I know I said trust the holding pattern. That's not, that's not easy. I don't want to just, just skip over that and, and make it seem like that's the easiest thing in the world to do. But that's where that blessing inventory matters. You look back on all the things that God has brought you through, and the things ahead of you will look small. It's all about your perspective in this season. If God is holding you for some reason, it is because he is preparing the way for you. If it's not good, God's not done. Let's pray out. God, I thank you, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice, God. I pray right now that, that your love, your mercy, your hope can be seen maybe in a, in a dark season. 
God, I pray, Lord, for every person that is stuck by their own devices, God, that you would let that tide change. God, that you would let them turn to you and away from their own devices. God, I pray right now that every person listening would feel encouraged. I pray that every person listening would have some joy deep down inside. Remind them of the joy of their salvation. God, I pray that you would bring everything to our remembrance, all the times that you have been so, so good to us, all the times that you have worked things out when it did not make sense, all the times that you have been there when nobody else was. God, I pray, Lord, that you would let us remember those times right now and let us use that to charge us up for what is to come. God, let us give you control. Let us surrender the driver's seat to you at all times. God, let us be willing to go when you say go. Let us be willing to conquer the enemy when you allow us that victory, God. Let us put all things that are not of you far away, God, as, as we seek to be more like you. I thank you, Lord, so much for your sacrifice. I thank you for the, the, the person that is Jesus. I thank you for forgiveness and for mercy and, and, and chances to, to do things again and do them the right way. I thank you for your grace. God, it abounds. God, I pray for the person that is stuck waiting for you to move. God, I pray that they would get a little vision of what you're preparing for them, that they would get a little vision of what you have done. God, all ready to work things out for your glory through them. God, we give everything to you and we lean on you right now. It's in your wonderful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, we love you. Uh, if you want to support this mission and what we're doing here, we have tons of resources online. Um, please log in. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, find us at our church website. That information is posted below. Um, you guys have a great week.